0: I see you are wearing your infamous podcasting shoes
1: i am they're all shiny and fancy yeah they're
0: so glittery they're <laughs> blinding me
1: they are i dress up when we do our podcast i know and i wear
0: my usual uniform black and black t-shirt
1: that's sweatpants that's it
0: the usual stuff anyway <laughs> this could be a great show it is And here we are celebrating what people love to do creatively. I'm Rod Jones.
1: And I'm Angie Jones. Welcome to the Thought Robe podcast. We invite you to subscribe wherever you listen, and we are available virtually anywhere you listen to podcasts.
0: No matter what you do creatively, this is the podcast for you. Okay, Angie, what are we going to discuss today?
1: Well, today we're going to be speaking with Duke Windsor and how he is a modern renaissance man.
0: Renaissance, that's a great word. Our guests, you know, we've had some really great guests. They always seem to share interesting aspects of their creative life. Mm -hmm. They're always unique. They're always interesting. But I can't wait to what this guy has to say. Yeah. But first, how about your quote?
1: Okay, so our quote this week, if you always put a limit on everything you do, physical or anything else, it will spread into your work and into your life. There are no limits. There are only plateaus and you must not stay there. You must go beyond them.
0: Okay, who said that?
1: Bruce Lee.
0: Uh, another one of Bruce Lee's.
1: He's we've, fantastic, yeah, right? we've
0: been We've been using his quotes periodically. This this one is a little bit complicated. I mean, I think I understand it, but what about the plateau part?
1: You know, for me, when I when I read this, I we all want to reach the plateaus because that's where you can take a breath and just kind of go, Yes, I achieved this or I, I'm where I want to be. But I think that if you stay too long in a plateau, life tends to bring on a lot of contrast unless you keep that forward momentum going but yet still remain receptive. It's kind of an interesting balance. You kind of
0: have to expand your plateau, right? You have to increase increase the size, size. just like the universe. I mean, the universe is always active and moving. And if you get too comfortable in any one spot, it just seems like we're pushed to move further to achieve more. And that all generally equates to us being happier because we're constantly Mm -hmm. in a state of, Creating and being ourselves, right?
1: You know, maybe being on a plateau is kind of like having a bunch of trampolines and you just go from bouncing from one plateau to another. If you are able to take that forward motion and be receptive, you know, you're just you keep bouncing along instead of going into the deep valleys you're able to just keep bouncing along like a ball.
0: Well, when you think of plateaus, especially like in Arizona or places like that, they, mm-hmm. they're very high. They So are when high. you're up there, you have a tremendous view and you can see maybe what your next challenge is from your plateaus.
1: That's a very good. I like that very much. So next we're going to go to our semi-new segment, which is Rod's motivational moment. And what do you have for us today, Rod?
0: Well, what I have is the only person that truly knows if you are good or if you are bad is yourself. Mm. And I know that could be a little confusing because
1: mm-hmm.
0: it's not about being naughty or nice. It's more about, you know, if you're truly living up to your own expectations. Uh-huh. Uh, and if you're not, you also know it. Other people can't define you. If you are the person who defined yourself on the inside, mm-hmm. which we all do, right? as you're defining yourself, you want to define yourself being the very best that you can be yeah. and you know it. And if you're not doing a good job in any aspect of your life, you also know that nobody else knows it as well as you do.
1: Well, that's probably true, but you know, when you say that, this is my mental picture. I think of the cartoon with the angel on the right side and the devil with a pitchfork sitting on the left shoulder, and you know, that's what comes to my mind when you talk about good and bad in that.
0: Well, as I look at you across our podcasting table, how come you have so many angels on your shoulders? Oh, well, when I look wish. down at mine. I have these pitchforks. <laughs>
1: I don't Stabbing think so. Stabbing me in the ears. I don't Actually, think so. Actually, one has
0: tried to stab the microphone.
1: Oh my gosh, no. They're
0: throwing me off.
1: No, your horns are holding up your halo, darling.
0: Thank goodness. There you
1: go. So, okay, this morning, I'm going to change the subject. This morning, we we're talking about time. And this morning when we we're having breakfast, we talked about time. And if you could only catch time in a bottle, you know, like the song with Jim Croce, Jim Croce's song.
0: Yeah. That's goes to kind of multitasking, right?
1: Yes. I guess if you are not managing your time right and you feel like you have to multitask, then maybe, I don't know, for me, multitasking, it means for me when I make a list and I go down the checklist and I'm, you know, like if I can do one thing, then I check it off. If I can't do another, I'll come back to it and, you know, try to keep, revising my list. I'm well, not
0: sure. That's that's just a, you're very organized. You're a very I try. organized person. I try. So when you have a list and you follow your list, you're being very organized. What unfortunately what a lot of people do when they multitask yeah. is they'll concentrate on the tasks that are the most rewarding mm-hmm. and not concentrate on the ones they really should be.
1: Well, In I fact- do that sometimes though, Rod. I mean, like there's something you don't want to do. And you want to move on to the other fun things or the things, you know, you can do really well and keep moving that down the list sometimes. And you just like avoid it. You're procrastinating totally. Yeah.
0: Well, the procrastinating is what gets everybody into somewhat of trouble instead of just focusing on the thing they really want to get done first mm-hmm. and then do the other things that are less important. That way your attention, mm-hmm. the most energy goes into the most important thing first it's maybe more important to finish a painting than it is to vacuum the floor.
1: Yeah, but sometimes if you don't want to do your painting because you don't have a good idea, vacuuming sounds like a really great idea. I mean, because you're procrastinating and you don't want to deal.
0: Well, one thing we know for absolute certain yeah. is that everybody, every single person has exactly the same amount of time in a 24-hour period. Like you mentioned Einstein.
1: Yeah, Einstein has the same 24 hours that you do, or, you know, fill in the blank with any very brilliant or trend setting person that accomplishes some amazing things in their lives. You have this exact same 24 hours.
0: And I suspect they are concentrating on the most important things first.
1: They are, and they're keeping very focused on the things they want to do,
0: prioritizing.
1: Yeah, they're prioritizing. And the interesting thing when we were last night, we were listening to Earl Nightingale as I was making our homemade spaghetti sauce. And we were listening to By it the on way, Audible.
0: It was, it was quite good.
1: Oh, well, thank you. I, and I, I it it's did our turn Sunday out good. Night,
0: our Sunday night treat is spaghetti.
1: Spaghetti, yeah. That's when we have our carbs for the week. Yeah, yeah. That's the only day. We're trying to be more low carb, but still low fat. But anyway, we're listening to Audible. And it was Earl Nightingale's, it's called The Strangest Secret, How to Live the Life You Desire. It's from Nightingale Conant and it's available on Audible. But what we really liked, I really, the takeaway for me, it was really nice to hear all this positive like replenishment to your mind and body and soul of the things that you need to prioritize in your life. And the main thing was time. You know, how is it that you're able to not accomplish all the things that you want during the week because you're thinking about a million other things that you have prioritized over the important things that you should be doing. Like you're thinking about all the things you don't want to have yeah, happen, absolutely. which is the more energy you put into that, the more it's going to come back to you. So he he made a point of saying, don't focus on the things that you don't want in your life. Only keep laser focused on the things you do want in life.
0: The interesting thing I have to say about Earl Nightingale, The Strangest Secret. Mm-hmm. The first time I listened to that, it was a long time ago. I was in my 20s and probably my early 20s. And I've repeated listening to that as well as other motivational things all along the way. And this one particular one I listen to every couple of years or so, Yeah. Uh, both Inji and I listen to it just to yeah. replenish our spirit, give us a little more energy, make us uh, better focused. But if you, you know, uh, I think there are a lot of really great motivational speakers out there. I happen to like Brian Tracy. I've learned a lot from listening to him and it's just a good thing to do. And it, it kind of keeps you focused. It recharges your battery I love all that. I think it's very important. Now, of course, a good friend that is highly motivational, someone that is always patting you on the back and telling you you do such a great job, like as parents, you want to do that for your children, right? Exactly. But it's really important if you're not getting all the kudos that you need. Listen to some motivational tapes. They're not going to hurt you. I can assure you of that.
1: No, and every time you listen to them, you get a different takeaway. You'll you'll notice something different, or read something different. And it really applies to your life for that particular day. Yeah,
0: like watching a movie.
1: You yeah. can say, oh, yeah, man, I
0: saw this movie six times. And every time I see it, I see something new and interesting in it. And, uh, Very true. And you know, we're not here to advertise for Nightingale Conant, but they, the, no, but the they are really
1: beneficial. They're
0: really beneficial. And that strangest secret is it's worth checking out if you have the opportunity to do that.
1: Definitely. And then also that he was talking about talent.
0: Yeah. And, what about and, talent?
1: Well, you know, it can be very demanding.
0: Yeah. And it requires a lot of time to develop it.
1: Right. Right. But we all have hidden talents inside and some surface and others Sometimes we repress because we feel like, oh, it's not the right time or we're trying to be responsible because, oh, we need to go to work or we need to do other things. And but really, the key is is if you've got if you know your talents, you've written them down and you know what they are, and you've you're really comfortable with where your talents are, is not to go in too many different directions because then you're diluting it.
0: Well, talents get repressed. And it's often, you know, by a parent or a well-meaning friend. And they say, oh, well, you really don't want to do that. Or that's too big of a challenge for you. Or, are you sure you're up to it? And they give you all the, what are they called, naysayers. They yeah. sell all this negative stuff. And then all of a sudden you decide, oh, well, maybe I don't want to do that. And that statement to their own self be true. I think it's Shakespeare. It's very important for you to just address those talents internally, explore them, and don't wait. If you have something that you really want to do to express your talent, whether it be music or painting or any craft that you really enjoy doing, make sure you do it because yeah. it's, it's good for your brain, keeps your brain active. It is good for your soul, by the way. It'll just make you a happy person and make you more pleasant to be around, I think.
1: Absolutely. And you'll feel fulfilled and not so probably anxious because you're able to express yourself in a way that you feel that that's where your talent is. And people that can continually, I think, stuff their talents down in the basement because they've got all these other grown up things to do. I think they get to a point in their lives where they're either it makes them depressed or anxious or they're just really dissatisfied with life because they're not able to express themselves. Well, the worst,
0: the worst case scenario there is when you look back and say, gee, I should have, could have. I don't know why I didn't. I should have done it when I was younger right. or whatever. I mean, that that is an unfortunate thing that we've all heard uh, from people, mm-hmm. other people saying that. And guess what? You don't want to be there.
1: No. And it's like, why not?
0: But kind of the opposite. Why not you know, do it? What's really interesting about the guests that we're going to have today. Yeah. Yeah. He's maximized most every minute of his life, and that in itself is quite a challenge. Not too many people, that's why we refer to this show as Renaissance, because he truly is a Renaissance man. He's done so many different things with his life, and not everybody can live up to that, and maybe some should and some shouldn't.
1: I don't know, I'd say on him because he has done and experienced such a wide range of careers in his life. And I think he can be very inspirational for people that go, Oh, well, I don't know. I'm I'm scared, whatever. He just jumped in and did it all, literally. Well, I think
0: he's gonna he's gonna be he's very inspirational and lets you know that you can do a lot of different things in your life and be successful at all of them. So let's move on to this interview. I'm excited.
1: Let's do it.
0: Duke, welcome to the Thought Row podcast. We've been really looking forward to chatting with you today.
1: Yes. Hi, Duke. So good to have you with us today.
0: Hi, guys. Thanks. Thanks for having me on. Yes. So what is it like where you are today? Is it raining or what's going on?
2: Yeah. Well, it's starting to feel a little chilly. I think it's almost like we're going back into a hibernation moment, but I think it's a part of our our May Gray series. So we got a little bit of drizzle and a little oh, yeah. chilly temperature.
1: Oh, that's very May,
0: true. June Gloom. Yeah. Yep. June, all that. May, yeah, all that. All that. You know, we were introduced to you by Gene Sassy mm-hmm. at the Sassy Museum of Art. I guess he worked with you or knows you for several years now, and he thought you would be a great guest. And after we originally chatted with you, we agreed that you would be a great guest.
1: Yeah, we've been really looking forward to having you as a guest on our podcast.
2: Well, yeah, I've known Gene for a little while now. I mean, he introduced me to his new museum and actually has one of my pieces in his collection.
1: Excellent. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, his
0: new museum is quite nice. We haven't been down there, but we've been looking at pictures. Not yet, not yet. Mm-hmm.
1: He's okay, a great so photographer, too.
0: He <laughs> is. Yeah, is. Excellent.
1: So beautiful. Yeah. Okay, so before we move on to our interview, we always like to ask our guests, what they had for breakfast. So, Duke, what did you have for breakfast today?
2: <laughs> yeah, that's an interesting question. For me, it's 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 kind of odd because I recently shifted over to intermittent fasting and in a keto diet. So, oh, okay. So, actually, the only thing I've had this morning has been a cup of coffee and a large glass of uh, water. So. So that's where I'm at right now. So, you know,
1: I've I've heard a lot of people doing this intermittent fasting, yeah, and, combined with the keto, and they've had such good results, and they feel like it's more instinctual instead of you know just having to eat because it's time.
2: Right, and and it's you don't starve on this, is unlike other other programs, and because of what we've gone through. Uh, noticed myself eating a little bit more. So it was time to make a shift. So about two weeks ago, I ran across this uh, with a friend of mine who actually had a wonderful experience with it last year. He lost about 75 pounds over the course of the year. So he he looks great. So I'm going to try that.
1: Yeah, I bet he you does.
0: know, a lot of people uh, have gained weight. Angie went to see her doctor a week or so ago, and he was always ragging on her about her weight. And she's only a few pounds overweight. Yeah, like and five. then she went to see the doctor, and he looked like he had gained like twenty pounds. And he said, "I can't, I can't
1: tell Let's you don't what even to talk do about yeah, it.
0: I can't even tell you what to do anymore because I'm gaining weight."
1: Because he's like Mr. Fitness. So yeah. yeah anyway, well, good for you. Yeah, good for Congratulations for you. Thank you. on that. Thank you.
0: Yeah. Uh, we, you know, we entitled this show "Modern Renaissance Man" because Duke is one of those gentlemen that has invented and reinvented, uh, taking advantage of many talents that you have.
1: True. And so, Duke, tell us about some of your life experiences and your occupations. I think everyone is really, truly going to be amazed by your curiosity, your zest for life, and And your journey.
0: This is no short list. No, it's not.
2: Actually, it was uh, right after the, the high school I joined the military. I went in the U.S. Marines, and I spent some time in there doing several positions. At first, it was radio operator for an artillery battery in my reserve unit, and then I transferred to, to San Diego after being accepted to become a, uh, an illustrator. At the time, it was called Combat Illustrator, but it's actually uh, now considered as a graphic specialist. Uh, did that as well as spent time as a photographer at, at El Toro before it closed and before I I mustered out, and then my wonderful swan song of the Marine Corps was was uh, graduating and becoming a, a Marine Corps drill instructor. Uh, and oh, then wow! A DI, through, right? Yeah, a DI, um, and that was that was wonderful, and 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 it, w- it was a great experience. And after the military, I, I became a commercial illustrator. But just prior to that, I got an opportunity to work up in Campo on a ranch up there for about, uh, oh, about eight months, helping to move cattle from one one area to another. So I was a little bit of cowboy work up there. And during the time I was doing that, I was doing rodeo. Uh, I was a bull rider and steel wrestler, picked up oh roping goodness. and did that for a little while, two team roping. And that was fun. I uh, got a little bit older and uh, wasn't really that good at bull riding. So it was time to Hang hang the spurs up for that. So um, yeah,
0: that's a rough one. Right. That's, that's a hard, hard
2: one. on your yeah. body, gosh. Right. It, oh yes, it is. So from there, you know, went on to become. A, got into music while I was doing the illustration work. I got into music, and I was singing country and western. And I was, you know, it was time to get my chops back uh, as a singer. And uh, kind of digress a little bit. When I was in high school, I was. In music in high school, I was in the band and also in the, in the choir, and I went all the way to uh, state choir in, in Texas uh, huh. as a state choir uh, first alternate in all state choir as a tenor.
0: You must had uh, a very uh, good voice.
2: Yes. <laughs> yeah, and it was uh, it was wonderful. Uh, so when I was singing in the in, in bands and singing country and western, I decided it was time to you know work on the voice. So went to San Diego State, uh, auditioned for that, and got a you know got a one semester scholarship to. San Diego State is in classical voice. I just gravitated toward opera at some point. Um, mm-hmm. And then, you know, and, and I spent time at San Diego State several years, went on to eventually audition and sing for several years at the San Diego Opera, opera Chorus. And that was a fun opportunity to do that. Uh, various jobs was uh, architectural draftsman, mechanical draftsman. And then I moved on into theater and took my talents from for musical theater, into that for a while and traveled around the country uh, in the late 80s uh, with the National, uh, I think it was the National Theater for Children. I did mm-hmm. that for a year and a half and uh, came back to San Diego and went into uh, work for the Gatson Quarter Theater Company as one of their stage managers, became production stage manager there. While I was there, uh, I, I picked up uh, back into the martial arts and when it was time to move on from the theater, I had the opportunity to teach martial arts because I'd already picked up my black belt by then. So I ran a school with my business partner for about four years in Granville here in San Diego. Mm-hmm. And so from martial arts, went on into... Uh, other interesting things because I had started my my first art studio in 1994 downtown at Gas Lamp during when it was still the red light district <laughs> mm-hmm,
0: uh, back mm-hmm. in those days. Yeah, um, we know we know that because yes, that's where my studio that. was. <laughs> right, that's where our studio was. It was also a time
2: when you can afford a studio. I had a 250 square foot studio for 200 a month.
1: Yeah, that's
2: uh, it. Uh, that's never going to happen again. So um, yeah, uh, so I did that and. To get a little bit more into the history of art and get a little bit closer to what the masters did, Uh, I had the opportunity to work at the Museum of Art uh, as one of their preparators and uh, trained to do that for two years. Progressed from there, became a preparator for the Minga International Museum. That's where I learned exhibit design through Martha Longnecker, who was the founding director there. Then uh, transferred from there, went to The Natural History Museum became a traveling exhibits uh, designer for the uh, Natural History Museum, now called the NAT. Uh, I stayed there and then I had a wonderful opportunity after I was there for about four years to go into the managing side of a nonprofit uh, of a department and became the director or the first director of exhibits at the USS Midway Museum. And I stayed there for eight years as a director of the exhibits department there. And so, you know, circles are back around to here. So I'm in my studio a lot more too. So.
0: Yeah. So in reality, you really haven't done too much with your life, have you? <laughs> I'm still trying to figure out what to do. Actually. <laughs> what are you going to do, oh, do when you grow up, Duke? Yeah, that's a good point. You know, <laughs> I have to say two things that kind of interest me is your opera you're singing mm-hmm. opera yeah. right. and as a cowboy. And those don't mm-hmm. those two occupations don't seem to couple together very well. But you actually explained how they did because you started singing country, mm-hmm. which I assume helped you develop your voice. Mm-hmm. Right, And when you sing opera, are you a tenor or what are you?
2: Well, uh, at the time I was, I guess you'd call mid-range to high tenor. In my younger days, I'm more of a tenor baritone now, a second tenor baritone uh, range. Even though I talk in a lower register, my singing register is still much higher than this. So yes, uh, you know, singing frontman, you got to have stamina, you got to have the, you got to be able to perform. Mm. And so with proper training, anyone can sing any type of music. I wasn't tied into opera because when you get tied in just to an operatic voice, it's very difficult to back off and go into singing country or folk or even rock because you, you pick up certain techniques that. Doesn't translate over. So,
0: very so yeah. true. which of those styles gave you the greatest pleasure? Which one?
2: Oh, <laughs> that's not fair. It's like saying which one is your favorite child. Well, <laughs> <laughs> actually, actually, that's not very difficult. Sometimes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, really. I would have to say, in satisfaction of performance, it would have to be being able to perform German leader and sing classical as for, you know, having something that's more of a laid back feel, of course, is country, but, but I think uh, for the accomplishment side, I, I have to say it's the classical side. So.
0: Oh, excellent.
1: No, mm-hmm. I, I think that it's more challenging probably in, mm-hmm. in a lot of respects. So,
0: well, I guess one leads to the other, right? Yeah. And in it, your voice development. It does. It does. Yes. But absolutely. opera is also made you. And singing in general has made you a very good communicator. That's why I suspect you're successful in some of these other occupations, because Mm -hmm. you could communicate your thoughts and ideas and people would really understand what you were saying. So I guess Mm -hmm. all of that was very valuable to you. Is that right?
2: Absolutely. And even going back into being a drill instructor, drill instructor taught me how to become a teacher, you know, because it's not just yelling and screaming at at young recruits. (laughs) You have to teach classes, you have to have a lesson plan, you have to have a structure, and you have to have the discipline to prepare for that class. So it's the same thing out in the civilian world, you know, it it translates over to that as well.
0: So So you're also forming these young men, you're taking boys and turning them into men and you have to have a little bit of psychology going on there because everybody's different. So when you're talking mm-hmm. to one recruit, mm-hmm. you may have to handle him slightly different mm-hmm. only to get him motivated, I guess, to move to the next level of where he needs to be so he can graduate, right?
2: Right. That's that's understanding that's understanding human nature and, and the philosophy of what people go through and where they came from. You know, how do you use a certain type of psychology to get that person to
0: Perform better. I'm curious Mm -hmm. about this. I mean, I've known drill instructors, and I was in the Navy, so I understand to this Mm -hmm. to some degree. Were you ever educated in that area? I mean, did the Marines say, "Okay, these are how this is how we do things"? Did they give you a book? Did they teach you? Did you uh, shadow other drill instructors to see how they were handling the troops?
2: Well, you go through a full twelve week. Boot camp. Oh, okay. When you go to drill instructor school and it's on the same base, you go through a full drill instructor boot camp. It's exactly the same. You start your day just like it would have been if you were still a recruit, except they only do that a couple of days just to give you that feel again of what a drill instructor is supposed to be doing. You're demanding movement, you're demanding to get from point A to point B without delay, without question, done. The training, you get a full manual of being a drill instructor, along with a manual, which is called the SOP, Standard Operation Procedure, as well as the the drill book. There's a drill guide. You have to learn verbatim, word for word, on how to teach a particular movement. When you become a drill instructor in the field, you're assigned to a senior drill instructor who has two other junior drill instructors you are considered as the least junior. You're not a recruit. You're not a probie. You're not anything like that. You're following and shallowing what they do, but you've already gone through that with your drill instructor school training. So Mm -hmm. you're ready to hit the ground running. You're called a thumper at that time. Mm -hmm. Uh, You are considered as the one that's the most energetic. Usually, you know, the newest drill instructor is how much more Vocal, they are.
0: Yeah, Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, one thing for sure, we all know the Marines out of all the military services are some of the best trained, most combat ready, and tons of self confidence. I mean, America is very proud of the Marines and as we all should be. And we thank you for your service.
1: Yes, thank you. Thank you.
0: You know, Stephen
2: Pressfield said one time when they were talking about the Marine Corps, Mm -hmm. they said that they heard that the Marines are taught everyone how to become, you know, great military leaders. And he said something that, that stuck with me. He says, no, the Marine Corps do not teach you how to become great leaders. It teaches you how to suffer ah. and continue to move forward through discomfort. And I thought, that's very interesting because it makes you better when you're not comfortable. You will be able to excel
1: mm-hmm.
2: rather than being stagnant. So it was very interesting to hear that. So absolutely.
0: You ask a Navy SEAL when he's in the water off of Coronado Island, freezing for hours on end. They learn how to suffer pretty good. I think Angie's got a question that I know our listeners are anxious to find out. I do. And, you
1: know, I'm going to kind of revert back to painting. Yes. And I know one of your talents is painting and you excel at creating paintings. Mm -hmm. So what or when did you start painting?
2: You know, it's like I'm asked sometimes about, you know, mm-hmm. how long did it take you to paint that particular piece? And I always right. have to say, well, it took me about 55 years to, yeah, to get exactly. that piece completed. I started around five. I know that's the earliest my mom has. Right. She, before she passed away, I found out she had all these pieces. I mean, early paintings that I had done, including a painting that I had done that was when I was paint by number sets. Oh, yeah. That I had written notes on that paint by number set. That these colors were incorrect and they were wrong, and she had sent that off to the company that made it. Oh my goodness! Uh, And they sent back a letter responding that you were absolutely correct, and they sent me a six-month supply of paint-by-number sets.
1: There you go. (laughs) And I thought that was so funny.
2: So that was around seven. You know, I was around seven or eight at the time, and. Good for you. And so on through, I continued all the way through today. I don't think Mm -hmm. there hasn't been a time that uh, maybe there was a few times that I a few years that I kind of backed off and relaxed from painting and did other things. But it's always been there. I've always been doing something. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I don't know a week that hasn't gone by that I hadn't painted something. So yeah.
1: So that's really good. You're you're keep keep going. Yeah, exactly.
0: When you know when we originally looked at your website a few couple three weeks ago when it was to learn about you and learn about your artwork and mm-hmm. i see that you have painted your paintings reflect different aspects of your life different things that your careers that like you've phases had of yeah, life. phases thank yeah. like you and one of them the rodeo being mm-hmm. a marine out of all of those things that you paint what would you consider to be if you do even have one i know it's hard to say yeah. a favorite style or topic maybe a better word to say out of all those things that you've painted And you reflect so beautifully on your website. Which one of those? Well,
2: I'm always partial to my urban scenes. I have always been attracted to the urban scenes here in in San Diego. I lived in North Park for a long time. Mm -hmm. And my main subject has always been the alleys of of North Park. And that's specifically the main subject for me. I will always come back to that Uh, right now. I'm in my Gold Leaf series of works. Mm-hmm. The second one, you know, it depends on my motivation at the time. I have thousands of of sketches and ideas and in, in sketchbooks that I may never get to. I have a whole full series of rodeo paintings that I haven't gotten to yet. Oh hmm. my goodness! I've got my autobiographical painting set that I'm still working on. That has to do with going through boot camp. Norman Rockwell did a series. I think is Gillis goes to the army and then he yep. goes to this yep. and, yeah. and that whole series went all the way through. To him sitting on a sill with his pipe in his mouth at the university getting his degree, and it it was a wonderful series. I thought that would be a great autobiographical series of my life. Since I'm not a writer, you know, I'm a painter, so that's something that I I have in my books.
0: Visually, you would be able to visually mm-hmm. uh, tell a story of your life. and yes, You can do that quite easily just by looking mm-hmm. at your illustrations that we've mm-hmm. seen. Each one of them actually does tell a bit of a story when you they even do. look at them. And we recognize some of those alleys in North Park because we live there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, well, yeah. Also, when I saw your website with the paintings of North Park and the alleys that really was very powerful of how everyday life is and including all the power lines and everything. It was mm-hmm. so... It's very uh, urban. It's very right. urban, but really very real. Yeah,
2: these were An the interesting thing is that all of these paintings all tied to my martial arts. Oh,
1: interesting. interesting. Explained that a little yeah, bit. Yeah, tell us about it.
2: I was on my way to, I think I was a brown belt at the time. Mm-hmm. I was on my way from my home in North Park, heading to the studio, uh, martial arts school, the dojo. Yeah. And I, was, I walked through the alleys to get there. And one day I was walking through one of the alleys and I saw the light coming through a building and then through the buildings all the way down this alley and the light went through those alleys in such a spectacular way you know how the southern sunsets are yeah i yeah. mean oh my god the light was just going through Beautiful. there and i yeah. had to, i ran back home and i went back and i grabbed my camera back in the day when we used to shoot film and mm-hmm. i came back and the angles of the shadows were just perfect all the way across and this beam of light shooting through so i shot several shots of that. And when I developed the film film later, I decided to do some little watercolors of those. And that was the birth of the series. And that was, uh, those photographs were taken in 1996. Mm -hmm. And I did about six or eight months of watercolors of those images. It wasn't until 2000 that I actually started doing the paintings Mm -hmm. that began. It was long before the Gold Leaf. It was The older paintings were blue sky, big Southern California sky, palm trees everywhere. And so that was the culmination of this. And it happened to be because I was on my way to martial arts class. And I've been doing this ever since. So uh, I've always come back to
0: it. It looks also like you've been exploring abstract painting. Yes. uh, That was around the time when I ran
2: into, uh, I think, Gene a while back when he Mm -hmm. first started. Mm -hmm. I was doing a series of abstracts at the time. I spent about two years like 2011 to 2013, just getting away from realism mm-hmm. to explore the world of Rothko and Pollock and Klein and all of the greats and and Frankenthaler, all right. of the great abstract painters to explore what is this thing that everyone keeps talking about, and I spent some time doing that, and those are also a seed from the alley paintings as well. Mm. Because Mm -hmm. if you look down on the ground, you'll see cracks and patches and multiple different looks as you look down on the ground. Those are, that visual is like the visual of of an action abstract painting Mm -hmm. with textures. And so that was the seed of a lot of my abstract work.
1: Mm.
2: Very interesting.
1: Very interesting. Like
2: Especially if you look at the ones that uh, I think call resurgence. Yes. Those were all based on sidewalks and alleys, just looking down at, at the ground.
0: So, And they can be very abstract.
1: They really right. can. They
0: really Absolutely. can. Absolutely.
1: Okay, so being the kind of guy that has embraced occupations that require resourcefulness and talent Mm -hmm. and and discipline, how did you manage to stay on course?
2: Yeah. I mean, you have so much
1: going on.
2: Oh boy, that's a tough one. I I, I think a lot of it has been, been luck of being able to find positions and jobs. That stayed stayed the course uh, of Mm -hmm. at least something that has to do with creativity. I mean, today you know I'm a computer aided drafting engineering manager of a a golf simulator company. Yes, but the design work of that is interior design and layout and design and and as well as understanding perspective. So so that still ties into this too as well. Yeah, I I think it's been uh, I have not allowed myself to go off to do something completely opposite of what. I'm interested mm-hmm. in, even if it was working in the museum field, it still had something to either do with the design or installation of, sure. of an exhibit, of an exhibit, even though into the Natural History Museum at first had a little to do with my art, but it was designing the the interior space.
0: You know, the exhibits, too. Those Absolutely. are all They have all to the be exhibits. very creative. Right. Yeah. 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 Uh, Absolutely. You have to design them in such a way that the person mm-hmm. who's walking through that museum gets a return
1: they yeah. look at it yeah. and they
0: go, Oh, I, wow, I get it. I see how. Yeah, they
1: have an understanding. understanding and feel sure. it. Yeah.
2: Well, and, and also for me to present to the board on this is the exhibit, what it's going to look like, I have to create a proposal as well as a rendering of that oh, space. Yeah. So it all ties together. So I've been relatively lucky that I was able to stay within within the framework of this. So.
1: That's really nice, though. Yeah, That way you keep your momentum going forward instead of branching out and kind of diluting what, what you want to do, really.
0: Duke, as you know, both Angie and I met and lived in San Diego for quite some time. Mm-hmm. And we were really pleased to find out that was your home yeah. base. San Diego has been a, was always a good place for us. We did a lot of creative mm-hmm. work there. How did you end up there? I kind of suspect the same way I did because I got mm-hmm. out of the Navy there. <laughs> right, and right. I'm assuming the because military. you're the military, yeah. that's how. But how, how did you end up there? Well,
2: you're right. I mean, I could have gone to any city in the military. You know, first, of course, it's boot camp out here for, for me because I was on this side of the Mississippi. Mm-hmm. You know, it was west of the Mississippi. So we came, to, came out here to San Diego to Hollywood Marines. And the interesting thing is I went back home because I went into reserves so I could go back to school. And that's where I went back to school, to Texarkana and went to Texarkana College to study architecture because that's what I thought I was going to do. Mm-hmm. So I took a year and a half of architecture at, at the college and I minored in art. And then I, and I was in the reserve, So that's, when I, that's where I was a radio operator. But then I found out that I had an opportunity because my recruiter knew that I was an, I was an artist. And he, mm-hmm. he called me and told me, hey, you know, uh, they're opening up a billet in San Diego for Combat illustrator illustrator, you're interested. I said, Well, I was thinking about trying to get into the band. And he goes, Well, you're gonna have to fly to Florida to audition if you want to do that. Mm-hmm. You know, with this, all you need to do is send an artwork to the headquarters marine corps and see what happens. And so I did that because that was a lot easier, less expensive. And so I got orders to San Diego. I could have gotten orders to Cherry Point, North Carolina, I could have gone to Norfolk, Virginia, I could have gone to any other place, but it happened to be San Diego. And I've never left.
0: (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. San Diego would be a good fit. You know, you've had so many different careers.
1: Yeah, Yeah. really, so many different careers. But so has San Diego been a good city for you as an artist?
2: It's been okay. It hasn't been absolutely, absolutely great compared to other cities that support individual artists. Right. I think it's wonderful for the arts. You know, for you know, music, dance, you know, symphony. Opera, you know, uh, theater, of course, it's been do- doing very well, it, but it it is it does have a few things that are lacking compared to other cities for individual mm. artists. It's growing, it's getting better, and we have over five thousand artists that are listed in I think there was a study done, but I would say still only about one percent of that is actually you know working full-time and a lot of those that do work full-time eventually leave san diego and go to other cities big cities that have more resources you know it's getting better i mean we've got you know i know you're probably not going to like to hear about this at all uh rod but but you know ntc is now liberty station
0: you know no no kidding yeah i I know no i did not know that
2: yeah it was it was bracked uh several years ago you know quite a while ago and became liberty station which kept it keeps the theme going there's actually little museum uh, kiosks throughout all the buildings. And they're opening up a lot of the barracks. There are artist studios there. There are shops wow. there. there. It's like um, an art enclave. You know, San Diego Watercolor Society is there. The Women's Museum is there. Some of the barracks, barracks 16 and 15 and 16 and 19, they're actually wonderful art, individual art studios. And a lot of the other buildings, like Sail Ho, which was the golf course, yeah, I mean, a lot of those areas, you know, the Cadillac Cafe. I mean, was there was the Corvette cafes there. Uh, yeah, you know, so there's a lot of things things going on at NTC there. That's for the arts, but it is not enough. It's still very, very minimal. There's more restaurants and shops and stores than artist studios. So, yeah, destination, so, destination. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, because what happens is that when when artist moves in, like like myself, when I moved into my first art studio, the developer saw that this is a great way of making money. So they jacked up the rent Yep. and then everybody has to move out and yep. then it becomes gentrified. And so everybody has to move out. And so like I have my, my studios in my home now, so since I'm on own home, so it's, you know, I, I still love San Diego. Uh, it's still, still my, my home base. Um, right. But, but yeah, it, it, it's, it's been.
0: I think we, we always difficult. used to say it's very provincial. And and <laughs> you know in some and, ways, in and some ways it, it was. I mean, it's, it was a beautiful place to live. There's some really Gorgeous. great people there. Yeah. But right. I think our greatest uh, achievements and accomplishments were always outside of that city. I mean, we had clients yes. that we worked mm-hmm. with that were right. from all over the world. Yeah. and right. not. you know, we had people that we worked with there, but right. um well, if it wasn't uh, for Sparks Sparks
2: Gallery, I mean, Sparks Gallery is only Sparks at Sparks Gallery. She's my representative here in Southern California. I mean, uh-huh. she's she's in Gaslamp as well, and gallery owners like that that support the local community, local artists. You know, they're the champions of of what we're trying to do. Mm-hmm. But a majority of my sales have gone through them through her. But my my shows, most of my shows at, at the beginning of my career, as of right now, pretty much New York, New Jersey, Kansas, yeah. Florida not as much here well until this year so i've got a few things coming up so
0: oh, good but for yeah. you and you know out of all the careers that you've had mm-hmm. and you've had quite a few yeah, a couple. what would you say which which one of them gave you the opportunity for your own personal growth.
2: Well, I have to say the, the the ultimate one was graduating from Marine Corps Drill Instructor School to become a drill instructor at 20. I was 20 years old. I spent my 21st birthday babysitting recruits at Camp Pendleton instead of going out partying. And it taught me the, the, the keys to remember about, you know, what is your mission? It, it was the first time I had heard understanding how to get something done in a certain amount of time with quality and under budget. And it's the same thing as anything else that I've done in my career. And it all goes all the way back to that. And I think the second thing is being the director of exhibits at the Midway Museum to see the smile on those kids face. When they come and they see those planes for the first time, it was just the ultimate thing.
0: So, Oh, I bet. You know, we're going to, we're kind of working against the clock a little bit. Okay. And you're sure. so interesting and had such wonderful things to I know to so say. many
1: things to say. But
0: Angie, go go with your question. I okay, really want I, to hear this. Yeah. I want to hear the answer yeah. to this okay, one. Okay, yeah,
1: because it's such a good question. If you were to yeah. give advice to someone who wants to become an artist, what would it be?
2: Well, I would first, first thing I would tell them, you know, to be an artist is one of my biggest, biggest pet peeves is that learn to draw. Even if you don't draw well, learn to draw and keep a sketchbook. The other thing is have courage, believe in yourself, no matter what anybody says, you know, don't let, don't let resistance get in your way. Embrace criticism and ignore detractors. You know, people that are going to go against you, just ignore it. Just follow your own, your own feelings about what you're doing and show up every day.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: You know, show up in the studio every day, even if your studio is, 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 the corner of a table in the kitchen, show up every day and be ready to work because being an artist takes work and don't be afraid of the business side of it. That is going to be, that's going to be the key because artwork will not be shown at all. If you don't understand about your business side, absolutely. No, matter, no matter how good yeah. you are. So absolutely.
0: Even true. if you have to paint outside and using your car lights to light your canvas yeah, That at sounds night. familiar. <laughs> there you go. There you go.
1: So, okay. You, you can ask this one, Rod.
0: Okay. Besides all these accomplishments that you've had and you've had plenty,
1: yeah.
0: is there something else that you still want to do that you haven't mentioned? I mean, I think you've got, you've covered a lot.
1: What's the next phase in your life at this point?
2: Well, the next phase is, is pushing to get into more galleries because the ultimate goal is to be able to, to finally be able to do this full time. And I can't do it full time with just one gallery to eventually possibly run my own gallery with, Mm -hmm. along with studio to be in full control of what I'm doing as well as, because the thing about it is we are the only industry in which the person that creates the work only gets 50% of their profit when they sell it.
1: Right, exactly.
2: A doctor doesn't do that. They don't split it with anybody, even if they're with a hospital. So it's one of those things where, you know, you have to make a choice. You know, what do you want to do? If you want to make a full-time living at it, you have to take control of the full amount of your income and and expenses. The other thing too is I want to teach again more uh, after this whole pandemic thing's out of the way, start teaching again more because I really enjoy doing that. It's great because that's, that's our job as, as uh, artists and teachers and is to pass on our knowledge to other people, so they can become better than we are.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, it seems to me, it seems to me that you can put all three of those together. You mm-hmm. can have a studio, a gallery, mm-hmm. and a, a teaching space, right? And right. then you, and then you could monetize all three. And
1: I think you'll be mm-hmm. booked teaching right. like crazy. And then the, the gallery, I'm sure, will be a huge success.
0: Well, and, I also and your like paintings as well.
2: You know, I'd also like them to pass a resolution of adding more hours to the day. <laughs> that,
1: yeah, um, I think you might need that.
2: <laughs> right. Right. But I also want to get better at my guitar and learn
0: to play the cello. Ah, there you go.
1: That sounds nice. We have a relative
0: yeah. that plays the cello, yeah. so, oh, really? so, but yeah. they do play it. Trying. Yeah. Learning. yeah. yeah. Learning. It's one of our favorite instruments. There you go.
1: <laughs> right on. Okay, so now we're gonna ask you a question we've been asking all of our guests. If you mm-hmm. could sit on a park bench and chat with anyone from the past, who would it be? Bruce Lee. Oh. That's that's interesting. That's a very interesting one. I could see why you would gravitate yes, to that though Yes, definitely.
2: Yeah, and I'll tell you why because of his philosophy. I mean, he was very very philosophical about movement, about the martial arts and about life. And uh, so there's 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 a that there would be an interesting conversation to have with him about a few things, so
0: you know, it's interesting. You should you uh, chose him because we've actually opened. Our, we open our shows with a quote, and mm-hmm. on more than one occasion, we've, we've used,
1: used a Bruce Lee quote. we used a Bruce so. Lee uh-huh.
0: quote. He's got some very insightful, very motivational, and very well thought out quotes. I uh, mean, you can understand the man mm-hmm. a lot by his quotes, and a very intelligent guy.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Right. Right. Absolutely. I guess this question, you kind of answered this, but I'd love to know, we'd love to know what you want to be remembered by. Well,
2: I wanted, uh, I I do, I would love to be remembered by someone, by an artist that added something more to the, to the dialogue of
0: art.
1: Good answer. That's a really good answer.
0: Yes, it is. I, I, uh, good luck. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. You know,
2: even though it's, it's. You know, it's very difficult to make that point, you know, when I say it, it's a very difficult thing because I need to make this point is that it's it's always the gatekeepers that make those decisions on who should be remembered either in print or in the context of the history of art. And us as as the artists, we don't have that. We don't have that control, you know, but it's a wonderful like and we'll see what happens
0: I think part one thing is changing, though, and it's mm-hmm. kind of a good thing and a bad thing. It's a double edged sword. And that's Mm -hmm. social media because now social media has gives artists the opportunity to show their wares to a broader uh, section of the population, and then people kind of form their own opinions without necessarily having a a curator or Mm -hmm. someone else telling you what you should like and what you shouldn't like. Mm -hmm. It's kind of the democratization. Of art our arts, and I think this is turning out to be a very good thing. It's got its issues. I mean, there's there's mm-hmm. a lot of stuff that's not so good, but for the most part, I mean, for both NG and I, it's been a great thing. Yeah, we've, really, we've gotten more exposure mm-hmm. uh, worldwide. I mean, we ended up having our art permanently in a museum in Ireland, and that was mm-hmm. purely that's a result of, it. Social of social media. media exactly. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it does yeah. create opportunities out there, and you don't necessarily need to rely. on the gallery system, although it's an important element to the whole process.
2: Yeah, I think they should feed off of each other, actually, yes.
0: Yeah,
1: exactly. So, Duke, you're not only talented, but you've shared a lot of information about your Mm -hmm. creative journey Mm -hmm. and how you have navigated through life. It's been such a pleasure getting to know you. Well, thank you.
0: I agree with Angie. You know, Duke, you've been very open And and discussing the different aspects of living the creative life. Nobody can ever say that you let grass grow under your feet, my friend. (laughs) Yeah,
2: well, unless it's alfalfa, because then the horses would probably want to eat it. <laughs> they'll graze, yeah.
0: under your, they'll yeah. graze under your feet. Exactly. Yeah. Is, well, I mean, a pretty amazing uh, journey that you've lived so far. And I suspect mm-hmm. this is only the beginning. I think you're going to achieve many great things as you oh, yeah. uh, move forward with your art and and maybe your singing and anything else that mm-hmm. you do. I don't think you'll go back to the Marines, though. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
2: No, I don't think they want me now unless <laughs> if they want me back. There's something really, really happened. Something oh. wrong. Yeah, no, <laughs> we're, we're in trouble. We're in trouble. Yeah, I appreciate you guys having me on board. And uh, I really, yeah, really had enjoyed a chance to talk about it. It gives me a little bit of insight on in what's going on in my head. And, and it's been a wonderful experience. Thank huh. you so much.
1: Thank you. You're well, very welcome. welcome. You're welcome. And we just want to let everyone know if you want to know more about Duke Windsor and his terrific artwork, we will have links in the show notes and also under the show guest tab on com. so everyone can learn more about Duke and connect with him on social media.
0: Yeah, get to know him. He's an artist worth knowing. him. Well, I guess this wraps up another great show.
1: I think so. And and Duke has led such an inspirational life. I think it's going to be so motivational for many people that are listening. And thank you for being a guest again on Thought Row Podcast. Yeah, I can't Duke.
0: wait to hear the responses. The responses on our artists have always been pretty amazing. So That's thank great. you, Duke. Thank you, guys. Mm-hmm. Bye-bye. Bye, Angie. Bye. Bye. I'm really glad you tuned in today. We hope you enjoyed the thoughts and ideas we shared with you.
1: We post a new podcast every week, so remember to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss an episode. So it's bye for now from my husband, Rod, and I wishing everyone a great day.